Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is your brother Hussein Kamani. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please donate to Qalam by visiting supportqalam.com. We love being able to share this content for free, and your donation ensures we are always able to do so. Each podcast we produce has thousands of listeners, so the opportunity for gaining immense reward by supporting our efforts is endless. You never know who will be able to benefit from your donation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept and jazakumullahu khairan. Assalamu alaikum. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not cursed wealth. Rather, it's the hearts of people that are cursed that don't know how to deal with wealth. Otherwise, if wealth by nature was cursed, if wealth itself was evil, then why would Allah give it to His most beloved servants, Sayyidina Sulaiman and Dawud If luxuries were a bad thing, then why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give Sulaiman a breeze that traveled with him a month's distance in a, in a few moments? Why? It's not the luxury that's a problem. It's actually your negligence once Allah gives you that luxury. Not being grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why, yes, you will find in the Quran and certain ahadith of the Prophet, where Nabi speaks of worldly pleasures in a negative tone. It's not because the Prophet believes that these things are evil in their creation, rather, most people end up misusing them. Most people are not grateful. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I'malu ala Dawood shukra. O family of Dawood, be thankful. Because we've given you like none before. I'malu ala Dawood shukra. Wa qalilun min shakur. Because very few servants are truly thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let the hamd of Allah be on your tongue every day. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Be thankful to Allah from today. Let me tell you guys one thing. The nature of ibadah is that you will only be able to do it if it's a part of your life and it's a habit from an earlier phase in your life. If something is not a part of your life in the earlier stage and you try to include it later on, it's very hard. Do you guys understand that principle? Look, I'll give you two examples. Praying salah, or let's even push it forward and say praying salah in jama'ah. No matter how hard you try to pray salah in jama'ah, if when you were young, your parents didn't take you, or when you were in college, if you neglected the masjid, if while you were in the early phases of your marriage, you neglected the masjid, mark my words, it'll be almost impossible for you to pray in the masjid then. And this is not me, this is not me being negative here or a pessimist here. I'm just speaking the reality. You have to learn to create good habits earlier on in your life. The second example, giving sadaqah. In theory, everyone knows they have the physical ability to give sadaqah. In theory, everyone knows that I have, the, I have wealth that I can give sadaqah from. Everyone knows it. But very few people actually do it. And I feel the reason why most people don't give sadaqah is because they were never trained in giving sadaqah from a young age. They were constantly told later, 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 because right now you don't have money. Don't give any now. One of the things I always advise college students, university students, is that no matter how poor or broke you are, I get it, you're broke. Been there, done it. No matter how poor or broke you are, make a habit of giving sadaqah regularly. You must learn to give sadaqah while you're struggling financially. Because that's the sadaqah that's most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَنْتَ صَحِيحٌ شَحِيحٌ While you're healthy and greedy over your wealth, you need that money. تَخْشَ الْفَقَرِ you fear poverty, that's when you give it. 
And if you can't give it now, you'll never be able to give it. If you don't push yourself now to go to the masjid, you won't be able to go. Tomorrow you'll be stopped from going to the masjid and then you'll cry saying that, oh, the government is stopping us from going to the masjid. What masjid are you talking about? The masjid that you didn't attend when the masjid was open for you? Go and talk to people who can't go to the masjid and they cry because they've been stopped. There's an oppressive government or regime that's not letting them go. And today we can go to the masjid as much as we want, whenever we want, as frequently as we want, and yet these masjid are empty. Wallahi, these masjid will have a very strong case against us Yom Al-Qiyamah on the Day of Judgment. Unless we put our act together and become regular in praying salah in jama'ah in the masjid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes Sulaiman alayhi salam and Dawood alayhi salam as grateful servants. I'malu ala Dawood shukra. O family of Dawood, be grateful. Wa qalilun min ibadi shakur. Because very few of my servants are thankful. Keep yourself busy and engaged in the shukr of Allah. Ya Allah. And if you do shukr of Allah today, Allah will only increase you tomorrow. Just be thankful to Allah all the time. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did increase Sayyidina Sulaiman alayhi salam. The second great favor that was special and it was given to Sulaiman alayhi salam that no one else had. Wali Sulaiman al-Riha asifatan tajri bi amrihi ila al-ardi allati barakna fiha. وَكُنَّا بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَالِمِينَ In uh, Surah Anbiya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes reference to this favor. Alla subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we gave Sulaiman salam a blowing wind. Asifa can also mean a strong wind. We gave Sulaiman salam a strong wind. This wind would carry Sulaiman salam back to the blessed land at his command. What is this Al-Ardi Allati Barakna Fiha, the blessed land? Ya'ani Asham, where he was from, Al-Quds. Sulaiman would come there. Now, Sulaiman was someone who engaged in jihad a lot. He was known for his wars. He had a massive army, and this army traveled with him east and west, north and south. Now in order for him to accomplish what he had desired to accomplish, in order for him to open people up from oppression, and to bring them to tawheed uh, and oneness, to introduce to them the idea of freedom, he had to move quickly. His army was so big that it minimized and limited his movement. Therefore he made dua to Allah, Ya Allah, give me a wind that will carry us. We will only use it for good. We will only use it to call people towards Islam, to remove the oppressors that oppress people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave permission. Some riwayat say that Sulaiman would have a wooden plaque made. He would have a wooden plaque made. And um, he would then take his entire army and had them loaded on this wooden plaque. فَإِذَا أَرَادَ أَنْ يَغْزُوَ أَمَرَ بِخَشَّبٍ فَمُدَّتْ فَرُفِعَ عَلَيْهَا النَّاسِ وَالدَّوَابُ وَآلَةُ الْحَرْبِ That he would have a plaque, and on it he would load his animals, on it he would load the, the human beings, on it he would load whatever weapons he would use for the battlefield. ثُمَّ أَمَرَ الْعَاصِفِ فَأَقَلَّتْ ذَلِكَ ثُمَّ أَمَرَ الرُّخَاءِ فَمَرَّتْ بِهِ شَهْرًا فِي رَوَاحِهِ وَشَهْرًا فِي غُدُوِّهِ وَهُوَ مَعْنَى قَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى تَجْرِي بِأَمْرِهِ رُخَاءً حَيْثُ أَصَابْ رُخَاءً الْلَيِّنَةً That this wind would then carry this army in one direction and bring them back. 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed Sulaiman alayhi salam. And similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Saba, Wali Sulaiman al-Riha Ghuduwaha Shahr, wa Rawahuha Shahr. That in a few moments, it would cover the ground, um, cover the, the, the span and the, and, the, and the distance that a person would generally cover in a whole month. This wind has such a powerful uh, impact on the conquest that Sulaiman alayhi salam was blessed with. Another favor, another special favor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed Sulaiman alayhi salam with was, he was granted command over the jinn. The jinn were subjugated to his command. They were subservient to him. There's a narration that you can find in the collections of hadith. It's interesting, I actually taught this hadith uh, this week in the Mishkat. Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu narrates that he says that one day the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that I was praying salah and while I was praying salah there was a jinn that came and he tried to disturb me in salah. A shaitan came and tried to you know cause distraction in salah. So Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says I got hold of him and I considered tying him to a pillar so the kids of Medina Munawwara can come and throw stones at him and play with him. But the reason why I didn't, because my brother Sulaiman said, Oh Allah, grant me a kingdom that is not suitable for everyone, anyone after me. And that kingdom was, Allah gave him command over the jinn. And I didn't want to bring any jinn under my command. Nabi said, I remember the dua of my brother Sayyidina Sulaiman Sulaiman made a dua to Allah as mentioned in Surah Sa'd Rabbi wa habli mulkan la yanbaghi li ahadin min ba'di innaka antal wahhab Oh my Lord forgive me and grant me gift me a kingdom that will not be appropriate for anyone after me indeed you are the one who gives Now what does this mean that it's not appropriate for anyone after me la yanbaghi li ahadin min ba'di Some scholars they say that what he meant here is that with every victory, there's a loss. With every victory, there's a loss. Today you win, tomorrow you lose. Today, Sulaiman has victory over his opponent, who had victory over someone else the other day. So, Ya Allah, today you gave him loss and gave me victory. So, do not give me a kingdom that is suitable for anyone after me, meaning don't give me loss after my victory. Do you guys understand that? Don't give me any loss after my victory. This is a common uh, tafsir provided by the Mufassirun. The second interpretation of the statement is that wealth comes with many temptations. Dominance, position, it comes with many temptations. Ya Allah, so the, the, the limit of temptations that a human being can handle with dominance and governance, give that to me. And the limit of that was that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him command over the jinn. Many kings have had command over the insan, over the human beings, but very few had, have, had, have had command over the jinn. And Sulaiman would command the jinn that go and bring the rocks from so and so part of the world so we can build a structure. And they would bring it. Sulaiman would be traveling, his birds would point out that there's water underneath that ground because he would travel with a big army. Therefore, he had to provide for so many people. His water, there were birds that would point out his hudhud that there's water underneath that ground there. Sulaiman would instruct his his jinn, and they would open it up. 
And within a short amount of time, the water would now be available to everyone. So there were so many things that Sulaiman was able to do that people before were not able to do. So unfortunately, Shaitan fooled the people. You know what Shaitan said to the people of Banu Israel? That your Sulaiman is able to do what he does because of magic. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in the Quran. That the shaitan told the people that shaitan, I'm sorry, Sulaiman does magic and that's how he has control over all of this. You think the wind is under his control? No. It's actually magic that he's doing. You think he can speak the bird, the, the language of birds? No, it's magic. You think that he can have control over jinns? No, it's magic. So people started accusing Sulaiman of being a magician. There are some narrations that tell us that Sulaiman was accused of being a magician during his life, and others suggest that it happened after Sulaiman passed away. And this became a common tradition amongst a group of people that they assumed that there was a temple of Solomon that had in its ruins um, scribes and, and rolls that had you know, the secrets behind Sulaiman magic and the, king, and the ring of, the, of King Solomon. All these things are fairy tales. As Muslims, we say that Sulaiman was given a special gift by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that gift was that he had a kingdom that no one before, no one after him ever had. Now, Sulaiman never abused his power. He never abused it. You'll find this again and again that Sulaiman is very just and, and he's very balanced. And remember this, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you authority, make sure you are just. Because as long as you are just, Allah will increase you. The moment you oppress, Allah will leave you. And then you are in a lot of trouble. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may let an oppressor get away, but that oppressor will not always get away. Allah's accounting will come, that hammer will come slamming down, and then you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Always be just. Sulaiman was principled. He was even rough and harsh sometimes. Because that's how a general and a king of this caliber needs to be. Sulaiman noticed one day his bird was missing. And what did he say? You know, when I read this verse the first time, and I understood it, I recall going to uh, a scholar. She was one of my teachers. Very knowledgeable, very intelligent. She was a muhaditha. And I had gone to visit her and I sat in her living room and she was there. And I said to her, uh, Ustada, there's an ayah of the Quran I don't understand. I was very young at the time, maybe 12, 13 years old. I said, Shaykh, why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Sulaiman was so rough with these birds? You know, he found his bird missing. Okay, I get it. But what is Allah saying? Once Sulaiman found his bird missing, what did he say? Lau. Like if you focus on the language, the la is for ta'akid emphasis. Adhibannahu, another emphasis there. Lau adhibannahu adaban, shadida adaban, maful mutlaq. There's an emphasis there. Adaban shadida, you know, um, uh, that's further emphasis. Again, if you follow the language, you'll understand that there's so much emphasis placed in this one statement. لَأُعَذِّبَنَّهُ عَذَابًا شَدِيدًا He didn't stop there. أَوْ لَأَذْبَحَنَّهُ 
Either I'll torture it severely or I will, I'm going to kill it. So I said to her, how is this? Why was he? Why is, why is Sulaiman salam so frustrated with the absence of this bird? She gave two answers to me. Um, one of them, she said, is that it's possible Sulaiman salam used such harsh language because the absence of that bird at that time put the, put the lives of all of the army of Sulaiman at risk because that bird's job was to find water. And the absence of that bird could have resulted in a catastrophic number of people dying. Do you guys understand that? Yes, no? If he's traveling with 10,000 people, because that bird was absent, it's possible 10,000 people may have died. And the qisas would have been life for life. So he would have, the bird would have been killed. The second explanation she gave me is that Sulaiman salam's usage of this language was as a general. If a general notices that one of his soldiers is missing without any notice, does he go easy or does he go hard? Does he go easy or hard, guys? He has to be very rough. He has to be hard. Why is that? Because if today, if he's, if he's missing, tomorrow, someone else will be missing. And the day after, someone else will be missing. And the most important part of managing any group of people, in particular, uh, if it's uh, uh, a group of soldiers and a general, is intidhan. You have to have proper procedure. You have to be disciplined. That's why in every army in the world, you'll find the one thing that every country is trying to instill in their soldiers is what? Discipline. The way you dress, the way you stand, fold your pants up, make your bed, eat, be on schedule, give me 10, you're late, why did you stop, why are you slacking? Proper discipline. Sulaiman wanted that discipline in his army because his army had to go far and beyond. Therefore, establishing that intidam right from the beginning. Now remember this, even though Sulaiman made these rough statements, one more thing she said to me. She said Sulaiman didn't just threaten the bird, he then said, Oh, layatiyanni bi sultanin mubin. That, or if the bird provides me with clear reasoning why it was delayed. Because if it gives me clear reasoning on why it was delayed, then none of this applies. Therefore, Sulaiman didn't just act irrationally. Rather, he warned the consequences of the, the, the absence of the bird, but also said there would be no punishment if the bird provided proper reasoning. Therefore, we learn from this, Sulaiman did not abuse his power. He never abused his power. He only used his power for that which was right. He never used it for personal gains. You know... If Sulaiman was ever distracted from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through any of his wealth, that would upset him. And this is something we'll cover maybe in our next class, inshallah, regarding Sulaiman and the horses of jihad. Sulaiman had some horses that he used for jihad and they distracted him. And this really disturbed Sulaiman. Therefore, he took an action. And what was that action? What's the interpretation? That's something we'll cover another time. Sulaiman used all of this power, all of the strength he was given to liberate um, the oppressed from oppressors. And number two, to establish centers of worship so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could be worshipped. One of the things that Sulaiman did was he built the Quds. He built Quds, Masjid al Aqsa. When we say Sulaiman built Masjid al Aqsa, what does that mean? Some scholars, they say what this means 
is because from a Muslim perspective, we can agree that Sulaiman was not the first person to build Al-Aqsa. How do we know this? We know this because of a hadith of Abu Dhar al-Ghifari radiallahu anhu. He says that one day I was sitting with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and I asked the Messenger of Allah, what was the first masjid built? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Masjid Haram. He said, the Messenger of Allah, after that, which one was built? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Aqsa. He then said, I asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, kam mudda baynahuma, how much was the period between the two, between Al-Haram and Al-Aqsa? We know for a fact, because the Quran states it, Al-Haram Makkah was built by who? Sayyidina Ibrahim salam. That's established in the Quran. If Ibrahim salam built it, and the second masjid built was Al-Aqsa, Abu Dhar al-Ghifari asked our Messenger of Allah what was the time period between the two. The Prophet remained silent. He asked again, he asked again. Finally, the Prophet, he, the Prophet responded back by saying 40 years. The gap between the two is 40 years. Therefore, it couldn't have been Sulaiman who built Al-Aqsa first. There's ikhtilaf in the aqwal. Some say it was Ishaq who built it with Ibrahim While others say it was not Ishaq It was his son, Sayyidina Ya'qub But we can agree that Sulaiman was not the first person to build the Kaaba. If he was, sorry, not the first person to build Al-Aqsa. And if he isn't the first person to build Al-Aqsa, then what was Sulaiman doing? What construction did he do? So the first thing the scholars they say is that Sulaiman solidified and built, constructed a compound around Masjid Al-Aqsa. He built walls and a whole like city structure, locking it all in. The second thing, the masjid that was built by either Ishaq or Yaqub Al-Aqsa was getting weak, therefore he fortified it, he made it stronger. He reinforced it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنَ الْجِنِّ مَنْ يَعْمَلُ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ بِإِذْنِ رَبِّهِ وَمَنْ يَزِغْ مِنْهُمْ عَنْ أَمْرِنَا رُذِقْهُ مِنْ عَذَابِ السَّعِيرِ يَعْمَلُونَ لَهُ مَا يَشَاءُ مِنْ مَحَارِيبٍ وَتَمَاثِيلٍ وَجِفَانٍ كَالْجَوَابِ وَقُدُورٍ رَاسِيَاتٍ اعْمَلُوا آلَ دَاوُدَ شُكْرًا وَقَلِيلٌ مِنْ عِبَادِيَ الشَّكُورِ In Surah Sabah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَحُشِرَ لِي سُلَيْمَانَ جُنُودُهُ مِنَ الْجِنِّ وَالْإِنسِ وَالطَّيْرِ فَهُمْ يُزَعُونَ Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Sa'ad, Masters when it came to building constructions. Ghawas, they were also known for diving into oceans. They would bring material from there, bring pearls from there. وَآخَرِينَ مُقَرَّرِينَ فِي الْأَصْفَادِ هَذَا عَطَاهُنَا فَمْنٌ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابٍ I mentioned before that Sulaiman would use different materials to bind um, uh, the, the stones and the rocks that he was using to build these structures. Allah, uh, the, the ulama, they write, based off certain riwayat of the Prophet ﷺ, that Sulaiman would use rivers of copper. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him access to rivers of copper. Najjar says that one of the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on Sulaiman was that wherever in the ground there were hot pockets and there was also molten copper there, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indicated Sulaiman to those places and he was able to extract that copper therefore using it to uh, using it using it for construction purposes. Similarly, Ibn Kathir narrates from Qatada, who says that these rivers of copper that Sulaiman was able to tap into, 
were in Yemen. Where were they located? They were located in Yemen. He writes this in his Al-Bidayah, One uh, Nihaya. So with that, we'll stop here now, inshallah. We'll stop today's class here. In our next class, we will talk about um, Sayyidina Sulaiman salam and the uncertain test that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put him through. With every bounty, with every favor of Allah comes a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested him. How did Allah test him? Allah tested him by seeing how Sulaiman salam would react if, being, if he was distracted by wealth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested him by seeing how Sulaiman salam would react if he was overly praised. Would he become arrogant? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested Sulaiman salam if he would continue to be grateful to Allah if he became sick. Jasadan alqayna ala kursiyihi jasadan thumma anab. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested Sulaiman salam whether he was interested in destroying people or in the guidance of people, when he found out regarding the queen of Saba, Bilqis, was he interested in destroying her? Was, that what he, was he a kill machine? Or was he interested in hidayah and guidance? These were all tests from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we talked about the favors of Allah. In our next class, inshallah, we will talk about the tests of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on Sulaiman alayhi salam and how Sulaiman alayhi salam did in those tests and then we'll close off inshallah our next class with also the passing of Sulaiman alayhi salam we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants us barakah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to uh, learn from the stories of the prophets take their beautiful examples derive lessons implement them, implement them into our lives and become from those who imitate the example of these great prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these great prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Muhammad, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.